Listen up, all you New York fans. Veteran New York sports talk host John Dostromsky gives his unique take on all the big stories in the Big Apple and beyond, including guest conversations, gambling picks, and reactions from you, the listener. Check out New York, New York with John Dostromsky on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Basketball is very good. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. My name's Kevin O'Connor, and here today is Jay Kyle Mann. What's going on, Kyle? Not too much, Kev. I am just uh, sweating my rear end off down here in very muggy, humid Louisville, getting excited about draft stuff, dialing in the boards, mm. uh, circling back, and and just sharpening opinions with the, with the sharpest tools I have at my disposal. <laughs> And just your keyboard about and mouse, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, same here. I'm I'm juggling. Uh, I'm on the phone. I'm trying to edit an article, preparing for podcasts. It's ha- I'm having fun, man, because we're recording this on a Wednesday evening, evening before the NBA draft, the day we've been waiting for a long, long time now, Kyle. And what we're gonna do today is discuss a little bit of the news, and then we're gonna do some mock draft style stuff in a different way. We're gonna act as GMs of teams and try to offer each other deals. And then we're going to also discuss situations for teams outside of the lottery, as well as some of our own sleepers. But just to start off earlier today, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN tweeted out that Rich Paul and Clutch Sports are in step together and wanting Ben Simmons to be moved. Um, With that said, as Woj did say in his report, draft night is always a quote, ideal vehicle for a deal. But talks could continue into the summer. And that connects with what I've reported recently, what others have reported recently, is that this could drag on for quite some time now because the demand on the Sixers side is just over the top. They're asking for four first round draft picks, multiple pick swaps from San Antonio. They're asking for Van Vliet and Ananobi and future first from Toronto. Right now, Kyle, when I look at what we're hearing about Philadelphia, is Daryl Morey is asking for way too much. And this is probably to either just appease, you know, Simmons and clutch. Hey, we're working on it. Or it's just setting that ball really high. And then he comes down on draft night. And over the next 24 hours, we're going to find out. What do you think Philly 
should be doing here? I mean, like, is it in their right? Like, should they be waiting here or should they be trying to push for a deal now before Simmons value drops even more? Uh, I, I think that they're doing the right thing. This is just how it works. I mean, whenever you go to buy, a, when I bought a car a couple of years ago and I had the Carfax paper and I sat down with the guy and it was on one side of the pie and I said, can we move it to the other side of the pie? Because <laughs> you meet you meet in the middle. So, I mean, I but I think it is high just at like face value because it, it, it obviously is high. The price that you named, like, you know, four first round picks and like multiple proven players, I think you're talking about a proven creator type that can like carry an offensive load. And Ben Simmons is not in that, you know, in that realm. And there are a lot of questions. So I think Maury's playing it correctly. He's trying to ask for too much for way more than he's worth. And he'll come down because I was I spent some time this afternoon messing with some trades with them with like the Kings. And even when I was like mixing in players that I thought were worth it, it's it's like I do think they should get a proven good player back. Uh, but I think like the the fleet of picks and then like multiple proven players, I don't know that he's quite worth that like hardened price. You know what I mean? Like I don't oh, I don't think yeah. he's on that level no for way. sure. Not, it's not a question. No, no, no chance. I mean, Ben Simmons, like awesome defender, magnificent playmaker, good interior scorer, not worth seven first draft picks. No, he's just not worth that. And, and ultimately, for Philly here, we know what they want to do. They want Damian Lillard. They want Bradley Beal. They're hoping those guys become available within a window that they still have Ben Simmons, that they still have all their first round draft picks to trade for one of those guys. That's what they hope for. But that might not happen. Like, it's very possible that the Wizards are like, we don't want Ben Simmons. It's very possible the Blazers are like, "Eh, we'd rather get a draft picks based package just like Houston did. You know, it's very possible that that's how things will go here in the coming months. So, for Philadelphia, it was reported by the Athletic that the Heat, Wizards, and Raptors are some of the key teams that could be involved in conversation for Ben Simmons. Of those three, I mean, let's say something does work out, maybe on draft night. Is there an ideal situation for Ben Simmons, in your opinion, Kyle? You said between Toronto, Miami, and what was the other Washington. one? Washington. And Washington. Or, or, or you can throw out a wild card if you want to as well. Is there an ideal fit for him? I the reason I kept trying to go back to Sacramento is because I like there was no way to do that without moving Fox. I mean, I like the idea of him playing because he can play make and because he is such a versatile defender. He sort of answers a lot of their questions. I think some of the some of the quest some of the uh value sort of stuff that fits with for for Sacramento works here because you know, Sac teams that that wouldn't ordinarily have a chance to get a player like this is kind of what I'm getting at. Like so and Sacramento is one of those. Um that would work. I mean, I like the idea on paper of like going with the two score first guards, like in Cleveland. I don't know if they could pull something like that off. I'm uh, into but that. yeah, yeah, but you'd have to you would have to break up the assets. Like there's no there would be no way to keep that triangle intact because Maury's going to want one of those pieces wherever it is. I'm I'm curious what you think. I mean, what do you? Bam, I don't see Bam and Simmons playing together. Do you? I don't see how that could possibly work. I, I don't I don't like the fit at all. I yeah. don't one bit. I mean, we saw Simmons and Bede and Butler work in Philadelphia, but I don't love Bam, Butler, and Simmons in Miami because Bam is just a different type of player. I think I think Simmons, if anything, takes away some of the playmaking that makes Bam Adebayo so important and valuable and critical to that Miami half court offense. And there's like an overlapping of skills that clash together. And I don't, I don't, I actually kind of hate the fit for the Heat. <laughs> 
they're going to be looking elsewhere. I mean, they're going to be looking for Kyle Lowry, and they very much are in it. You know, sources have told me that they do believe they have a shot at Kyle Lowry, but so don't the Pelicans. So yeah. don't the Mavericks. So don't, you know, the Raptors for that matter. I mean, there are teams that believe they have an opportunity to get Kyle Lowry, the Knicks too. So there's a lot that can happen here. I don't expect the Ben Simmons deal on draft night. We'll see what happens, but we are going to talk about some mock trades. So we are recording this live on Green Room. And the way this is going to work is this. I'm going to be the GM of one team. Kyle's going to be the GM of another. I'll be Oklahoma City, Kyle. Okay. And you're Detroit. Let's, this is a three-way deal. I this like is my a, team. A semi-realistic trade idea here. Semi-realistic. I'm OKC. We get the number one pick. Okay? Of course you would say that. Okay? The Raptors get that. number six and number 16. They're trading down. They get number six and 16. The Pistons, you, you get Shea Gildas Alexander. The number four pick. Two future first in 2023 from Miami and number 2024 from the Clippers. One of those drafts could be the double draft with high school kids coming in. Kyle, I mean, I know you like Kate at number one, but what do you think? Are you going to take that deal? Well, I'm looking at my advisors here. They're all saying they're, they're, I've got some people telling me to do it. It seems like people are kind of in uh, there. It seems like some folks are kind of wondering what the Pistons are going to do in that or the Raptors are going to do in that, like why they would do it. Um, I don't care about the Raptors. I'm the Pistons. So I'm looking yes, at this exactly. and I'm thinking, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, uh, the Pistons, we would get Shagil just Alexander, a player that I, uh, I'm, I'm not a Kentucky fan. I'm the G- GM of the Detroit Pistons. So how dare you uh, imply that? Uh, and then we would, I would assume get Jalen Suggs. So then at that point we would have Jalen Suggs, Shagil just Alexander, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah beef stew, uh, and then we would have uh, Killian Hayes, um, you know, your your main man. Sounds I like, like a, that. Pretty great. I don't really care about the two firsts. I mean, I, you could throw that double draft at me. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of yawning a little bit. I've got a drink in my hand. I'm just kind of, I'm not really moving. Um, I'm leaning towards, I kind of like it. I like that core, you know. I think that that's a bunch of guards that that could work together. Cade's a good player. This is tough for me. I am going to lead towards... No, I want Cade Cunningham. That's what I want. I want a, I want a big ball handler that's going to elevate my team. I like where this is going. Uh, I think that could prevent, you know, I think the playmaking of Cade Cunningham is something that could elevate our whole team. As enticing as that is, Kevin, I'm going to have to say no. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing. So there's been all these reports this week about how OKC has offered six and SGA for number one. With this deal, there's people in the green room chat that are asking, why would the Raptors do that? Well, because the Raptors at number four, they might not actually want Jalen Suggs. They might want Jonathan Kaminga or Franz Wagner or Josh Giddy or whoever it is. And they could get that guy at number 16. And about a week ago, I was told that they're looking for another first round pick. So they might get, they'd get that at number 16. So that's why Toronto could consider something like that. And then in regards to OKC in Detroit, I'm not even sure I would do it if I'm OKC. I'm offering it for the exercise here because SGA is really freaking good. But I've asked around the league, why, why are we hearing Gildas Alexander in these trade conversations? Either A, it's not true, it's just not going to happen, and this is just hearsay, or B, Oklahoma City, this is, this is what executives say that believe this is true. 
they say Oklahoma City knows that when his max contract comes up, and by the time they're ready to be winning in two or three years, he's in the middle of that deal. Whereas with Cade Cunningham, if they were to get number one and were to land him, while Cade, you'd expect, you'd hope, in three or four years is as great or greater than Gildas Alexander, and he's still on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. still on his rookie contract. And so it's really all about the timing of the financial aspect. It's nothing against Gildas Alexander. It's really about how do you best build out this roster to win in this next three to seven year window and how to maximize that. And so I get it from that perspective, even though, I mean, giving up Gil- Gildas Alexander was awesome last year, Kyle. He, he really was. was. He was tremendous. One of the best drivers to the basket in the entire league, constantly expanding his game from the perimeter at the least, it's it's intriguing for Detroit. It has to be intriguing. What's a deal that you have for me? Would you be interested in a guy, a little fellow named Mo Bamba? What do you think about the potential of this guy? <laughs> Mo Bamba, really big player, uh, shot-blocking presence. A uh, lot of future, I think, as a switchable, you know, as like a, a, a flexible, versatile Guy who could play some drop and take away the mid range, like we've talked about. Kyle, you don't have to sell me on Mo Bamba. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I see the potential more than anybody, maybe, <laughs> maybe more than himself. Uh, would you be interested in trading that number number four pick of yours, and uh, and we send you Mo Bamba, the number five and number eight picks? You get a couple swings here at some good players. And we'll take that number four pick off your hands. And then as a sweetener, just to throw it in as a young player, uh, just we'll pick one at random. Malachi Flint. We'll pick Call him. it in. Call it in. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. And and it's not because of Obama. It's because I, I don't think I don't think Orlando would give up five and eight to move up no, one they spot. Probably wouldn't. I, I don't, but <laughs> if you really wanted Jalen Suggs that bad. If you really wanted him that bad, I could understand the reason why. I would do that in a heartbeat if I'm the Raptors. I think they are a real candidate to potentially trade down. Um, I don't think they will in the end, but teams are trying to move to that spot. So for you, Kyle, with Jalen Suggs, I do you feel like, I mean, Chris Fronin and I talked about this on the mismatch on Tuesday night. Has Suggs been a bit overlooked with so much focus on Cunningham, on Mobley? On green, Suggs is kind of the guy that isn't getting a heck of a lot of love. And as Orlando here, you, you're you targeting him as somebody who could be a face of the franchise. Does he have that type of potential? You know what? I kind of had this realization like in real time when we were talking on the Ringer NBA show yesterday where I was talking about two-way impact and the floors of players and things like that. And I, this happens a lot where you kind of talk things out loud. And I was like, that actually describes Jalen Suggs, too. I mean, I don't know that his offensive upside is quite as high as Jalen Green in terms of like, but if you watch them, it's like they're different types of athletes. I talk in a video I made recently about Jalen Green. He's sort of a guy who seems to get faster the more he's moving. Like he just accelerates and keeps accelerating. Suggs is a guy who has like a really kind of tight suspension, like he he corners like a like a football player. He has that like tight, powerful athleticism. And and Green is a little more slinky. I guess like the shooting upside and things like that. Do you think I mean, I guess the question is, do you think that he can move into that like top 30 to top 20 range where he could become like a potential all-star? Like let's say he is as good as Drew Holiday yes. with more offensive yes. upside. So For why sure. aren't we talking yes. about him then? Are we being unfair to him? I guess that's I don't know. Maybe we I, are. I, I, 
I think there's only just so much time in a day, so much time in a podcast <laughs> that a lot of people are focusing on number one, number two, right. and the intrigue up there. And like, I think that's kind of natural every year in the draft. You know, like the conversation is so focused on the top three that that fourth and fifth guy, it's that's where the hardcore draft fans are super into what's going to happen. Um, but Suggs definitely has a chance. He has those qualities of a Lowry type. You know, he has uh, the qualities of like a Brandon Roy, potentially, you know, if he could become that and grow into that type of player. So I think Jalen Suggs has a chance to be a really good player for 10 plus years in the NBA. And we'll see if that ends up being in Toronto at number four or if another team were to slide in there. But that that's the spot where people around the league aren't sure. The people I talked to a day before the draft. As of Wednesday afternoon, they are fully expecting Detroit to go with Cade Cunningham at number one. You know, despite the fact there is some, you know, disagreement, at least within the front office, there's people who playing devil's advocate say, well, how about Jalen Green? How about a trade down? How about Gildas Alexander? But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think Orrin Tellum, the guy who has the final call there, is going to just take Cade Cunningham. Seems like Jalen Green will go number two to Houston. It seems like Evan Mobley will go number three to the Cavaliers. That's where number four is that things get weird. And we don't really know what's going to happen. We do know a team that made a trade down in recent years that worked out in some ways, didn't work out in others. And that's the Atlanta Hawks. They traded, of course, you know, the Luca trade deal. They also got Cam Reddish in that deal. There's been some trade reports this week that Cam Reddish could be moved, that they want to get a younger player. They want to reset the rookie clock. So my trade idea for you here, Kyle, is... I'm Atlanta. You are San Antonio. Here's my offer for you. Cam Reddish in the 20th pick for number 12. You know what, man? As soon as Cam Reddish hit those freaking shots in that playoff game, I knew I was watching the phone. I thought you might call me during the game. I was actually, I really thought you might give me a call. Um, I like Cam Reddish. Um, if I'm looking at who I can get there at 12, looking at kind of what's going to help us, um, you know, there's nobody that I'm like in love with. What is what does my war room think? Let's weigh in. We have we have some sures, we have some send it ins, we have a lot of yeses. I'm leaning. You said did you say 20th? Was that the other pick 20. that you offered me? 20? 20? Okay. 20 and Cam Reddish for number 12. You know what? Let's do it. I think Cam Reddish still has some upside. Uh I I like it. You know, even though I think you're kind of predictable, I expected you to call. I'm not a, I'm not offended by that, uh, your predictability on this front, KOC. So I'll, I'll accept it and we'll phone it in. Well, thank you, uh, Brian Wright from the Spurs or <laughs> RCB for whoever, whoever picked up the phone pop. I know you're busy right now over in Japan, but whoever Losing. it was in San Antonio, thank you. Thank you, Kyle, for accepting that deal. That that's that that'll be interesting to see on draft night, because I think that 11, 12 spot, San Antonio at 12, Charlotte at 11. That could be moved up or down. We'll see there. Like right outside the top 10, there could be some movement, including with Indiana at number 13. So I'm excited about that. And for Atlanta, you know, the Hawks are in an interesting spot here, Kyle. They go all the way to the conference finals. Nobody sees that coming except for maybe a small segment of Hawks fans. <laughs> it happened. What's missing from this team? Like if they were to move up or stay at number 20, what should the Hawks be looking for in this year's draft class to improve their team and go further in a future playoff run? Uh, I mean, 
like we talked about before, I mean, their their team is young. So, I mean, one of the big the biggest like leap forward that they're going to do is just continuing to play together just and grow. level up yep. and get better. Uh, I would just continue drafting versatile players. Like you said, you were talking about resetting and getting younger. Just take the best, take the most productive, versatile wing defender that's available. Just go ahead and do it. Um, I, I think that you can get some of the big guys that you would need maybe uh, on the free agent market. I think that would be a better play for them in that range. Um, that's kind of that. That's where I'd be leaning with that. What do you think? I'm into it. I, I think something along those lines makes total sense for Atlanta. In my latest mock draft uh, on the Ringers 2021 NBA draft guide at the 20th pick, I have them taking Kai Jones, big man out of Texas. If he were to slip there, I'd, I'd really like that for them. If they were to move up for 12, I'm a little bit less certain. Um, Franz Wagner, it seems like will go in the top 10. I love the idea of him on paper. He said earlier in the week that he's grown to almost six foot 11. I checked in with one source who told me that that is indeed the case. Really? Since so, when? At least last year when he was last measured. He was not measured at the NBA Draft Combine. True or not, we'll find out when he does measure with his new team. After he's drafted, we will find out the real measurement. Um, but if Franz Wagner is an inch and a half taller, inch and a half longer wingspan, we're talking about a guy that could play a little bit more five for you, potentially. Five? I didn't even consider I mean, that. Yeah, I mean, like, how much does that change your valuation of a Franz Wagner if he's listed at six eleven barefoot instead of six nine? Does that make a big difference with him with his style of play, Kyle? I mean, it's not as dramatic as like somebody shooting up in like a year and a half, like an like like an Anthony Davis did from like six yes. three to six. It's not like that. I mean, okay, he might get to a few more balls than he did before. He might be able to, you know, contain a little bit better. I mean, on on paper, no, not really. I don't know that it would like affect. I think his strength and things like that, like what kind of functional strength he's going to add, but he's already a pretty strong kid. Um, I don't know that it would swing me that much or my opinions on on him. Kev, I am the GM of, I am uh, Nico Harrison. Nice to meet you. GM of the Dallas (laughs) uh, Dallas Mavericks. And uh, you are Bob Myers. Great head of hair. Good looking dude. Um, <laughs> That's been our thing this week. Bob Myers, I mean, good looking dude. He's a great looking guy. He is. Yeah, for sure. Just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we got a we've got a little ill fitting situation going on down here. I'm sure you've heard of our superstar, the you know the the swaggy hoops kid from Real Madrid, the Wonder Boy Luca. We got a fit going on here, but we do we have a guy that we think is a superstar, but it's just not quite right for us. We were wondering if maybe you'd want to do a deal. We were wondering if maybe let's say hypothetically. We send you Chris Stapps Porzingis. This guy can shoot it. He's huge. I think that he would work within your offense. You send us back a couple stabs. You know, maybe maybe you send us back the 7 and the 14 that you got there. I know you're not sure about what to do with it. I've heard. You know, I've been keeping my eye on you guys. And just throw in a contract just to make it even. We'll say Andrew Wiggins. I know you're unsure about him. I think that he would help us. Maybe we accomplish some different things. You get a window here where you need to, uh, you know, max out Steph and get the most out of those guys. What do you think about that? Just you just mull that over. Get back to me. Well, um, <laughs> uh, I would say this, Kyle. Kristaps Porzingis has a player option in 2023-24 for 36 million. Andrew Riggins will be a free agent, you know, that year no matter what. So Porzingis has one more guaranteed year on his deal than Wiggins does. Why am I the one giving up seven and 14 and then I'm hanging up? 
Well, I have it in the doc here that it was an outlandish. You know, I had to try. You know, it's kind of like it's the pretty girl at the dance. I had to go ask. You know, you got to shoot your shot. (laughs) I don't know. I've spent so much time trying to find a place for him, and I, I, it's hard. That's one of the harder ones. I spent like a whole day trying to get him to the Pelicans and the Hornets. It's he's a hard guy to move. Well, let let's say this on paper. You know, we got a lot of mixed reaction in the green room chat. There's a lot of no's, a couple terribles, a couple absolutely nods. <laughs> I know, understand, Nico. You want to make a splash with your first big trade, right? You want to make a splash. Maybe if we flip this around and you give me a pick with Porzingis for just Wiggins, then we might be talking here because then I'm in a situation where. Hey, I like the fact that I have a seven foot three guy who can space the floor to three and pair him with Draymond Green in the front court. He could court. play with Draymond. He could. It could work. It could work on paper with KP and Draymond, but I'm not giving up seven and 14. But the fact is, is you're bringing up an interesting team here. Dallas, they are in a position now where they can create cap space. They want to go for Kyle Lowry. They are in a position right now where they want to make a move. They want to add a playmaker next to Luca. The Warriors at seven and 14. It's unclear what they're exactly going to do. My league sources have said Davion Mitchell is likely not going to be the pick at number seven. He's been the guy there in mocks for weeks now, but it seems like they're leaning in a, in a younger direction. Maybe it's Kaminga. Maybe it's Giddy. Maybe it's Wagner. We don't know the name exactly, but it seems like they're angling for a younger player there. And then at 14, they could go with somebody more experienced. And I think that makes a lot of sense logically for the Warriors. We got one more unrealistic trade. I don't know if this one's actually unrealistic, but we're calling it unrealistic. I'm the Celtics. You're the Washington Wizards. You're Tommy Shepard. On early Wednesday, you said that Bradley Beal hasn't requested a trade yet. You're moving forward as planned, but I'm calling you up. I'm Brad Stevens. I got the new gig here. I already traded away Kemba Walker. Now I'm ready to trade away Jalen Brown. So I'm offering you Jalen Brown, Time Lord, Robert Williams, Romeo Lankford, a 2023 first and a 2027 first for Bradley Beal, who hasn't demanded a trade yet. And if you say no, Kyle, I'm not giving you those future picks in a couple of months because you're losing leverage. I'm I'm taking those picks off the table unless you take the deal right now. This is easy role playing for you to to assume the role of the, he's thought about this so much, Kevin O'Connor, folks. Uh, <laughs> he's so pleased with himself. Uh, let's see, Jalen Brown. I like Time Lord. I thought he was underdrafted at the time. Romeo Langford. You need a center, Kyle. Yeah, I don't know. I've got some guys. I don't know. I'd, it it could create some kind of roster decisions for me in the future. You know, is is Robert Williams? Where's his ceiling going? Romeo Langford. I even though you know, local guy from near where I am right now, and those firsts. I Bradley Beal's a pretty good player. I I think I might need just a. I'm gonna say no. Also, you're in the East. I don't. Why would I help you? I don't. I'm not interested in that. So, I'm gonna say no, and I'm yep. offended by your threat that you just did. All right. Well, good luck in a couple months. <laughs> That's all I'll say. (laughs) This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation 
of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Let's move on to some other types of scenarios here. So instead of doing a traditional mock draft where we go pick by pick like we did last week, you can watch a full mock draft where me and J. Kyle Mann and Jonathan Charks went pick by pick for the whole first round. That's up on the Ringers YouTube page. You can check that out. We also did it live on Green Room a couple weeks ago. So this one's going to be a little different. We're talking about scenarios. What might a team do in a given situation at a certain pick? And let's start off. We're going to do a five, four or five teams. Let's start off in the lottery with number six, Kyle. We've talked about Oklahoma City a little bit here with their desire to trade up. But we didn't talk earlier about if they stay at number six. So here's the scenario. Here's how the top five goes. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes. That's what everybody expects. Let's say that's how it goes. Oklahoma City's on the clock. There's no acceptable trade available. At that point, we're talking about guys like James Booknight, Jonathan Kaminga, Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy. Who are you picking at that point, Kyle? Man, Kuminga feels like a Thunder pick, doesn't it? It just feels like a guy, like, you stay young, you get a guy who has huge upside, he's young. Like I've said, his feel, obviously, is pretty stunted. Um, he's a long way away from being able to understand how to fluidly play at the NBA level. Um, then, on the other hand, you think about, like, a James Booknight, um, a guy who has a, a future as an off-the-bounce score, how high and how how bright a future is that? I'm not 100% sure. I don't know that there's anybody that's tantalizing me enough in these mocks from like that 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 range that I feel like I need to take a swing based on the way this has gone for me, and I think I'm going to go with – I would go with Jonathan Kaminga if I were them. What do you think? I wonder with James Booknight, we've talked about him a little bit on pods recently – if he's a smoke screen there, there's just so much book night noise. I don't know if he's the guy there. I I'd lean towards Franz Wagner. Okay. For OKC specifically. Is that a fit um, question or is, are we it, fitting it, if we're OKC? It, are we saying the words fit on yeah, draft I night? Think, I think we are saying the word fit. Okay. I think we are. I just, I love the idea of a bunch of dudes who can handle the ball and make plays at all five positions. And I think Oklahoma City has a chance to build that out. And and maybe I'm off base here. Maybe I am. But with Kaminga, there's just so many question marks. 
I feel like if you're Oklahoma City, you're going to have your opportunities to take swings. And right here at number six, I think there's some guys, book night included, where I lean towards and I feel a little bit better about their actual potential. So I'd lean towards a Wagner or a book night at that pick. Um, but ultimately, I would just, if I were Sam Presti, I would just be very sad because I weren't, wasn't able to trade up to number one for Cade oh, yeah. or to number two for Mobley because that's the dream. Can you imagine if they added that guy to this group? If they added Mobley or if they added Cade or e- either, either one? Of them. Either oh, of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, like either of those situations would be like, what a dream. Because you get upside and you get fit. And I yes. one quick thing that I was texting you about earlier that I think that's interesting every single year is like when you get to this number six pick, um, it seems like a lot of like traditional sort of gravity, gravitational pulls of like traditional basketball thinking of upside and things. It, it's just interesting the way it plays out year in and year out where, um, you know, in that like 10 to 15 range, 2018 was the example that I gave you. There's all kinds of these players who are like helping playoff teams. And then there are these bigs that we thought had crazy upside that you felt like you had to take and you end up passing on players that could work. I feel like Wagner, I would take Wagner over Book Knight personally. I'm not as up on Book Knight. I, I think that he could be a fine later rotation player. I think Wagner could be like a guy that could start, give you defensive intensity, give you some playmaking, give you some shooting. Um, especially if he's six foot 11 so, or six yeah, ten or six eleven, no, yes. no doubt about that. And, and Wagner yeah. could be a guy at number 10 that the Grizzlies want. Um, but in this scenario, sure. let's talk about this. Let's say Franz Wagner off the board for the Grizzlies at number 10, Jonathan Kaminga off the board at number 10, no trade available. Grizzlies aren't able to trade up again. They move up to number 10 for somebody. Is it Alperin Shengun? Is it Davion Mitchell? Is it Josh Giddy? Is there a name that at number 10 you think makes the most sense to pair with John Morant? I've heard some things. I mean, I've heard you've said the Giddy thing. I, Sharks and I were talking yesterday that uh, our guy, Zaire Williams, had actually been mentioned with, with, the, with the Grizzlies. I don't know if they would reach for him that high since it's, he's such a polarizing pick. It also wouldn't shock it's me not, if somebody it's just— It's not impossible. I've heard in recent days the names Zaire Williams out of Stanford and Keon Johnson out of Tennessee have been mentioned to me as lottery picks. Whether that's just noise, misdirection, misinformation, I don't freaking know. Like there's so much stuff floating out there around draft time right now. But at the least, guys who are originally considered lottery picks before the college season <laughs> are being talked again in the lottery. You know, again, they're back there with some teams. I, I like the fit, fit there for Zaire. I'm just gonna say, man, I, I that was one of the people that I you know went went back and was kind of looking at the sample. I think people are getting caught up on like maybe the decision making, some of the wildness of it. I don't agree with people that he's like a raw shooter, that he's like not a shooter. This guy is like 6'10 and shooting step backs in transition. I think that he's going to be a good player. I I like the fit there. I think that it could work. I think if you take Moses Moody or Trey Murphy over Zaire Williams, I think that's basketball malpractice. That's kind of where Interesting. I am. Interesting. Why is I, why is it though? Is it about upside? Because with those guys, Moody and Murphy, everybody says there's certainty with them. Is it basketball malpractice, as you said, because of upside with Zaire Williams with what he could become and why? Like, what is it that he could become in a best case scenario? I think people are mistakenly and overzealously dinging his shooting. And I think that it's off. I think that if he's if he's this big um, and he I think that he's going to have defensive versatility. Um, I just uh, no, it's not insane. I think that he's better than Moses Moody. I think he's going to be better than Moses Moody. Um, I, I just think that. 
if he's that big and that defensively versatile, I think the other stuff can come. I don't, I don't blame him at all for the, if they really are thinking about him at 10. And I think he, he would fit with that team, you know, give you some more length. So we'll see. We'll see. One thing I'll say before we move on to the next trade scenario here or next mock draft scenario is <laughs> the Grizzlies have always drafted who NBA Twitter likes. <laughs> Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain. Oh, the yeah. guy NBA Twitter likes is Moses Moody this year. Just throwing the thought out there that maybe that could be an indicator of what the Grizzlies are thinking at the 10th pick. You never know. <laughs> I'm not being polar where I'm saying I don't like Moses Moody. I just, I like the tools more, but uh, otherwise, but Mo yeah, Moody would be a good fit for them too. I, I could see that working. No doubt about big length, you know, lengthy defender next to John Moran. I'd like it. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let's move down to number 19. The Knicks have two picks, 19 and 21. They'd love to package those together to move up into the late lottery. Let's say they can't. And let's say they're at number 19. You got Julius Randle, you got RJ Barrett, you get quickly, you get Tibbs, a head coach, you're trying to build this thing out. The Knicks don't necessarily need any one thing except for shooting. What direction do you think they should be going here, Kyle? Is there a player type and who are a couple of players that might fit that profile for the Knicks at the 19th pick? They're in a position to get a lot better this offseason, honestly, because if we assume that their defensive structure stays in place and then we're going to supplement it, and maybe you maybe you compromise a little bit by adding younger players, you'll have to bring them along and get them up to snuff defensively, things like that. Um, there are two players that I feel like if they could come away with both of these guys, it would be a big win. Um, I've liked Chris Duarte for them because I think he's going to be ready to go quickly. Um, I also think that Trey Mann would be a good pick for, for them. I think that he's a guy that could just come in and give you offense. I think that he could score out of the pick and roll in the mid-range. He's crafty around the rim, um, has a lot of dribble separation. Um, I think those are two guys. But I also think that like Jaden Springer is an extremely tibsy guard. <laughs> I could see. I wouldn't oh, yeah. be surprised if they took him in that range because he's just like a tenacious on-ball defender. Um yeah, those, but offensively, that's kind of where my mind is. I could see Trey Mann and Duarte working for them in the short term. I think either of those could make sense. Less so Trey Mann, but I definitely love Duarte for them. In the green room chat, we've had a number of suggestions for the Knicks. Hayden said, Shreve Cooper, too early at 19. I don't think it's too early for him. You know, a bit on the smaller, leaner side for a guard. He needs to improve his jump shot. You're nodding your head, Kyle. It's You're bad. Not too early. It's bad. Yeah, it's, the jump is bad. It's rough. I, but he, he shoots over 80% from the line. He has good touch near the basket. Those are at least positive indicators. But the form on threes like, is ugly right now. It's extremely odd. He shoots. He holds his guide hand up and then takes his shooting hand down really quickly. If you watch him shoot, he, he like has a hot stove thing that he does. It's, it's ugly. Uh, I mean, and for him to be impactful or more than just like a sort of a late rotation guard type thing. Um, I mean, like. It's a Rubio type. I think that's the ceiling for a guard that can't shoot that gives you playmaking. He'd have to become super savvy in all these other areas. I'm very, very skeptical about it. As talented as he is as a playmaker. In the green room chat, Brian, uh, among others, mentioned the name Jared Butler. That's a name that you hear connected to the Lakers a lot at the number 22 pick. So let's move on to them. What, is, what do the Lakers need here? Playmaking. They were ranked lowly in three-point shooting last season. Who are some of the better shooters who can maybe handle the ball a little bit that might make sense for the Lakers if they stick at this number 22 pick? 
there's there's a cluster of guards that are kind of score first. There's I I feel like the actual like overall playmaking depth in this draft is a little is a little low. Like I I feel like there's a lot of guards and wings who are like heavy score first. Um and it's going to be some of the a lot of these teams need the same thing. They need injections of like off-ball scoring, guys that can make good decisions like the Sixers, the Suns, the Nets, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Lakers. They all kind of need similar things. The Mavs, too, even though they're not drafted. Um, I like Butler there. I mocked him to the Lakers the other day. Smart player, movement shooter. Um, he's going to be playing off the catch a lot, obviously, with LeBron and AD at the elbows. Um, team defender-wise, I think he can get there. Um, I like him there. I think that they could even gamble and take, like, um, uh, you know, they could take uh, – th- there was – there was a guy that I feel like they could pick up in the offseason. I feel like he he might be like a maybe like a two-way type thing, but Marcus Zagorowski is a player from uh from Creighton, a pace guard, can shoot it, um, smart player. Undrafted player, likely. Yeah, I, I doubt that yeah. he, he's yeah. not gonna be a first rounder, obviously, but I, he's he's a guy that I could see them kicking the tires on. What do you think about like Primo for the Lakers? Taking a gamble on a guy like Primo. Going a little bit younger, Primo, six four out of Alabama, only 18 years old. That dude can stroke threes, man. So, you know, you're adding that. So at his age, the question would be, how much do you feel like he can survive and contribute on defense in a playoff situation as a rookie? That would be the number one question that you ask yourself if you're the Lakers, because with Primo, the incentive is if you feel like he can help now, like let's say by April and May, you think he's ready defensively. There's upside long term because he's shown He's shown some skill off the bounce, Kyle, and that's what makes Primo one of those guys that's appealing in the back end of the first round. Do you, do you view him as – how do you view him, I guess, is, is a good question to ask because a lot of people love him and they love the upside and the flashes that we see. There's a lot of people that kind of view him as just an undersized wing. Uh, I think if he had stayed in college another year, he'd probably get be getting picked a, a little bit higher, at least a little bit higher. Maybe late lottery, you think? That'd be high. I mean, I think it would probably be in that twenty to fifteen. Not, and maybe, maybe, maybe that would be a little high. Some of his warts may have showed up the more he was dependent on because he was on a team with other primary handlers. A name that's getting thrown out in the chat that I think is interesting is Ayo Desunmu. I mean, he's a guy who improved as a pick and roll player. Um, he's a good athlete. He's not huge. He's about six five. I could see him guarding point guards. Um, what do you think about him playing in sort of a catch and shoot secondary creator? Probably late rotation, I would say, with the Lakers. But what do you think about him being a contributor with with the Lakers? Would that work? With him, it's a little bit different than Primo. There's no question about the defense. You know, he could come in right away, and you know he's going to grind, play hard. He's smart, experienced, 21 years old. He he knows how to play defense. Can handle the ball at the right amount. Like he has not been a good spot up three point shooter though. Um, He he has not looked comfortable there. It would have a lot to do with like how good has he looked in workouts. How do we feel that's going to translate to game situations? But for the Lakers here, I, I wonder how much they're actually going to stick there, though, at number 22. We're mocking this you know, scenario if they stay at 22, but there's the reports about Eric Bledsoe being a possibility if he gets bought out by Memphis. There's the Buddy Heald stuff that's floating out there um, with them possibly offering Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell if he opts in or Kyle Kuzma with Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Would the Kings want number 22? Why would the Kings do that? I don't see. That seems like a no-go for me if I'm the Kings. Yeah, the Kings would probably want number 22 in that scenario. So 
if you're the Lakers, you might not even have a pick at number 22. Um, yeah. But uh, it's pretty clear what they're angling for. All the Westbrook stuff, all like the Lillard stuff, all the playmakers and guards that they're, that they're trying to go for. They're trying to add somebody who can handle the rock, whether that comes in the draft or the trade. We'll find out. Let's move on to the last two here. The Nets at number 27. They could have won the NBA finals. They could have. If they got past the Bucks, they probably beat the Hawks. And then they're in against the Suns. Who knows what happens? What do they need to get over the top next season besides good health? That's the number one thing. But roster wise, you got Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, a number of guys who are going to hit the free agent market. To me, I'm thinking it's a big at 27, but I'm not sure that the value is there for a big at number 27, because I don't think a guy like Dayron Sharp is going to make it that high up in the lot in the late first round. I think Sharp is going to go late teens or early 20s. So what do you do then if you're Brooklyn, if a guy like Sharp isn't on the table for them? You know, I don't, I don't know that there's anybody that I would really want to reach for. I don't know. It, it all, we always assume when we think about team needs that the draft is, we always kind of just zero in and get kind of tunnel vision on the draft as if like, that's where they're going to try to address all their needs. It's like, you know, value is different in different, like it varies from medium to medium in terms of like avenues of getting players. I know a lot of people know this, but just stating the obvious, I don't, in terms of like bigs that would even be applicable in that range, I mean, I don't expect Kai Jones to fall that far. Isaiah Jackson is interesting for them. Definitely. Um, he's interesting as sort of a him and him and Nick Claxton. I mean, could they share the floor together? Um, you've also got uh, you got guys like uh, Philip uh, Petrasev, the guy who's playing for Mega B Max this this past year, could have been on this last year's Gonzaga team, which is insane to think about. Um, I don't know that they'll go for a big. I, I honestly think I would maybe just go ahead and go for a skill player because of the way they play. The way they play, they can do so many different combinations and invert roles and things like that. Um, I mean, we saw Bruce Brown play a ton of five for them. Well, quote unquote five on offense. Um, I, I think they should go for a skill player. I know Doll, our, our guy, Matt Dollinger from the ringer, he had Jared Butler going to Brooklyn. If they have the opportunity to get Jared Butler, that would be amazing. That'd be great. That that would be wonderful. Uh, one thing on the Nets that was reported today, I believe, by the Post, that the Nets are dangling Landry Shamit in potential trades involving number twenty-seven to move up. Um, you know, like I said, with Dayron Sharp, to me, he makes a heck of a lot of sense for them. They might have to move up to get him. I don't think Landry Shamit is that much of a valuable piece to move up that far. Nah. But it at least indicates that, again, there's a heck of a lot of teams having conversations now trying to move up in the draft. Uh, let's move on to the team that lost in the finals. That's the Phoenix Suns. They have the 29th pick. Cameron Payne is going to be a free agent this offseason. He could get a payday. Not so sure that Phoenix is going to give it to him when they have to pay Chris Paul already, who's going to want the four-year max or at least near max. DeAndre Ayton coming up. Mikel Bridges coming up. They get a lot of money that they're going to have to pay some of their younger guys and their old guy and Chris Paul campaign might be the guy who they have to say goodbye to at the 29th pick. Are there any replacements for pain guys who can come off the bench and provide a spark for you at that point of the draft? Oh, yes, there are Kevin. Yes, there are in our draft. There are. And I think, I'm, you know, some of these two, I mean, Cam Thomas is a guy we haven't mentioned yet. He would, if you want somebody to come in and give you offense, Yes, um, baby. Cam Thomas. That's, that's Cam my Thomas guy. will come out guns a blazing. I mean, don't think that, he's falling that far though. No, I, I doubt. I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, another guy would be. 
I don't know if a team is going to want to reach for him at 29, but Bones Highland is another guy that could come in and provide instant offense, quick shooter, quick dribble shooter. Um, I could see him going there. I don't know that they're going to reach for like somebody like Josh Christopher, a little bit more of uh, a wild commodity. Um, I could see Chris Paul screaming his head off at Josh Christopher. Um, <laughs> what do you yeah, What do you think that. about uh, What do you think about Bones Highlands range? I think that's a good time to kind of bring that question up. Do you think what's too high? What's too low for Bones Bones Highland? I don't think I don't think late first is too high. Um, I could see him twenty five to forty five range. I mean, he's look this year's draft. There's a lot of players where the range is that wide because there's a lot of players that that fit specific team needs or specific team philosophies with how they want to build with younger raw players or guys that you feel like contribute right away with Highland. He's kind of in the middle there, Kyle, because he's only 20, just a sophomore coming out of college from VCU. But with his scoring ability, he seems like the type who could possibly come in right away and perform and get buckets for you. Still needs to add weight, still needs to get stronger. So there might be a learning curve there, which is why I kind of look towards somebody like Miles McBride out of West Virginia. I mean, that dude can pass the ball. He's smart. He's only 6'1. He's light, but that dude can defend, man. Like he plays so freaking hard on the ball, off the ball with rotations. He can shoot off the bounce a bit for you. Shot 41% last season with West Virginia. I'd be a fan of him at 29 for the Suns. Uh, I think they have a number of options. You mentioned Jaden Springer earlier, Trey Mann as well. Uh, they could take a, a guy at number 29 that can help right away, and I look forward to seeing what they can do. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's move on here to some of our sleepers, Kyle. A uh, good way to pivot here because we're going to talk about early. We're each going to share an early second round sleeper. A guy we feel like could help now, an undrafted flyer, and then a bargain bin DVD, as you called it, Kyle, <laughs> for a deeper cut player. So let, uh, let's start off with an early second round steal, and I'm going to bring up the first one, Jason Preston out of Ohio, because this is one of those guys that I could see making sense for Phoenix at the 29th pick. Junior out of Ohio, he's in that late first, early second round stage. 6'3 guard, really good pack, passer, knows how to play with pace, knows how to control the game, can shoot a little bit. I've been told in pre-draft workouts he's looked really great. He's really impressed teams both in interviews and with workouts. So Jason Preston for me is one of those guys that just seems like a rock-solid NBA player that checks a lot of the boxes with playmaking, solid defense, awareness, intelligence, work ethic good kid you know it's like a lot of the things that you look for in an early second round player so jason preston is the first one that comes up, that stands out for me how about yourself uh i like him my my second uh my steal not sure where he's gonna go but i think this player has been overlooked there have been questions about his feel his his readiness to play at the at the top level um i've said it maybe in another place but isaiah todd from the g league ignite i think is 
a 6'10 guy, if you watch him shoot the ball, um, you just don't see guys shoot that fluidly. I think he's good. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody takes him late first round just because of that, because I think he could shoot with movement. He's shown that he can shoot out of the post. Um, just a really talented player um, as a scorer. Um, and I, I think if you can get a player like that late, um, if you can get a player like that, if you're a good team and you can just snag somebody like that with upside, uh, you do it because because that's uh, he's that talented of a shooter, in my opinion. I have him ranked 24th on my board. Is that too high, too low, just right? I wondered if we had, if Charks and I had influenced you because uh, <laughs> he and I had been kind of whispering about, uh, there, you have those moments where you kind of just like check your, you have to just kind of recheck and make sure your eyes aren't lying to you. I don't think so. The more I watched Jalen Green, the more I kept thinking of my, he's one of those prospects that catches your attention and diverts your attention. Like, because he's just, he pops, his shooting pops and, and, uh, He's a joy to watch shoot the ball, to be honest with you. I think there are just kind of questions about his idea of himself. I know there were questions about his workouts that he was scheduling where he thought he should go, which had people kind of wondering, you know, does he have maybe a misplaced idea of himself? I don't know. I have no idea on that one, but I think he's a talented player. Let's go with my guy who can help now in the second round. Herb Jones out of Alabama. I love this dude with all of my heart, Kyle. I have a basketball crush on Jones, 6-6. He can defend across positions. He plays hard. He can't shoot, but he can do everything else. He can defend. He can bring the ball up the court. He can rebound for his size. He can finish inside. He can pass. I foresee him as one of those guys who is just a basketball player. He doesn't really have, like, he, he defends across positions on defense. And then on offense, he's used like a center. He's screening, he's rolling, he's hanging around in the dunker spot. At worst, he's like your Andre Robertson, but I don't think he's a total lost cause as a shooter. He just shoots on, at a low volume. He shot 35% on 57 three-pointers. Not a lot of shots because he's not a good shooter, but I don't think he's like a total zero as a shooter. So I don't know, man. I, I love Jones. I'd be happy to take him in the late first round. Um, but I expect him to go somewhere in the second round. And I think he's one of those guys who's going to look like a steal early on in his career. He was the engine of a very good college basketball offense. And I, you know, I think he needs to get a little stronger, but I, I agree with you. It, if he, if he gets on a team with like a lot of shooting, he could give you like lineup flexibility. If you have like big shooters. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, my, my guy is sort of in the, I hate doing this, but uh, my guy is, He's in sort of a Bruce Brown mold is what I was going to say. Uh, you're one of your favorite molds from this past season, KOC. Aaron Henry from Michigan State. Um, this guy is a dogged on-ball defender. Um, he's not a great shooter right now. That's the big thing. S sort of similar to Bruce Brown. Um, very, very strong base. Um, I think he knows his role. I think he's just a guy that could uh, eagerly guard you know, tough assignments. He's somebody that you'd like to have on your roster. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Henry from Michigan State. I'm into that one. Um, let's move on to undrafted flyers here. I got Raekwon Gray from Florida State. We've seen a number of prospects come out of Florida State recently, have some early success in the NBA. Gray kind of fits a similar profile of Herb Jones in the sense that 6'6", undersized, doesn't shoot well. A lot of the same things. He's got a big, like, football player body, very wide, broad shoulders, very He's strong. Huge. Yeah. Uh, and we have a comparison in the draft guide. Call him groundbound Zion Williamson. 
they use him like Zion. Like, you know, the plays with Zion where they kind of hand the ball off to him at the top of the key and he just rumbles towards the basket. Yeah. The Seminoles were using those same exact sets for Gray. And it works because right. he's good at it. He can handle with size and strength. He's just not like a rocket ship leaper like Zion. But I, I see an NBA role for Gray because of his defensive ability, because he can handle, and because he can score inside. So I, yeah. I'm liking Gray as one of those guys who could be an undrafted steal. Uh, yeah, 26% three-point shooter, but, you know, 268 pounds, 6'10 wingspan. Um, he could be like a Grant Williams type, depending on how high his basketball IQ is, how you want to project him like that. Interesting player. I mean, he's a bruiser. They probably could have used yeah. him on the football team, to be honest. Um, <laughs> my guy is this. This is a random one, maybe for most people. Um, I would I would kind of use an exhibit ten on this guy. Um, Santi Aldama was a pretty prominent. Santiago Aldama was a pretty prominent international prospect a couple years ago. Was really on the radar. Uh, for some reason, he decided to go to Loyola, uh, Maryland. Loyola of Maryland. Because uh, I think he had a connection there, but you turn it on and you watch him, and the league that he's playing in, he shoots an incredibly easy ball for for a six eleven guy. He moves pretty well for how big he is. He's a gamble, but I mean, he's the type of player. Um, I wish he had gone to a high major program because I just wanted to see it. But um, really interesting player, Santi Aldama. Go go check him out. Um, he could shoot it. He's fun. I mean, he can play for sure. Yeah. He has skill. If he's not an NBA player, he's going to be a high level guy overseas. For sure. Like there's no doubt about that. Uh, my bargain bin DVD, which is the the title you came up with for this category, <laughs> is a guy that I don't have in my top seventy, and I had him in consideration on my big four for the top seventy, and that's Chandler Vaudrin, kind of a jumbo size guard, six seven out of Winthrop, played two seasons there. This past year, averaged twelve points, seven rebounds, seven assists. The Evan Turner stat line, Vaudrin. He shoots 37% from three on two attempts per game, 69% from the line. But his shot is freaking ugly, man. It's a gross-looking <laughs> jump shot. And he, I saw a quote from him a couple years ago. Catch this, Kyle. Okay. Where he says he's a righty. Oh, but he, Jesus. But he shoots lefty because he thought it was cool. <laughs> that's, that's that's what like that's what he did growing up creative but thinker but he's a natural righty and i think much like a certain all nba player i think he has better touch with his right hand he looks more comfortable with his right hand around the rim uh, he looks more comfortable passing with his right hand i'm just saying chandler vaudrin shoots with the wrong hand and if chandler vaudrin switches hands i would undoubtedly have him ranked in my top 70 because his playmaking ability is outstanding dude i've had people from teams that have worked him out say yeah this guy like he can make passes all over the court at a high high level even compared to some of the best passers in this class but the shooting is bad and it, with that said i'd love to take a crack at him you know with a two-way or an exhibit 10 like you said a summer league tryout opportunity and say hey chandler switch hands and you can be an nba player for 10 years that's what I would tell him, and maybe it works pitch. out. Maybe it works out. Chandler Vaudrin, keep remember that name if he switches hands. <laughs> uh, his defensive points per possession are pretty solid, .68. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, he's got good size. I wonder. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a good one. Uh, you want to move on to? Oh, my bargain bin. Yes, your. Bargain I was big bin, on. Yep. 
I was big on the bargain, uh, like software, like the games at Walmart. You'd go in there, they'd be like in the little jewel case. You might find like Age of Empires or, you know, Grand Theft Auto. You never knew what you were going to find. This one, KOC, is, I'm going to set you up for this uh, because you and I had a pretty funny exchange about this the other day. Um, my bargain bin DVD is a fella from Belgium, a six foot 10 guard from Belgium. And this guy is like, if you had locked, if you locked a 6'10 Belgium kid in a room for five years and he only watched LaMelo Ball highlights, you would end up with Brins Vleisenberg, <laughs> a.k.a. PMP, a.k.a. Poor Man's Poku. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Vrins Vleisenberg? He just tweets too much. <laughs> he just tweets too much. That's it? For, yeah, he tweets too much for a, <laughs> for a second-round pick who's... who's uh, Days away from being drafted. Why are you responding to mock drafts and big boards and tweets about He's people? Mad. I just, I just think it's a little bit too much for a second round pick to be doing that. And like to to bring this back to us acting as GMs. If I'm a GM, I'm bumping them down my board. It's like I don't, I want my second round picks not to be online. <laughs> don't you think it, I, w- I was pitching this to Barrier and Mahoney and Sharks, though? I mean, don't you think it, we're knocking him a little bit for things that we praised no. Poku for? Because Poku was pretty similar. We'd watch him, and I mean, it was like comedy at times, like how he's he 100% is like off the charts erratic. Like he, but he's a very colorful, obviously has good feel. Like he's he has a lot of that experimental sort of DNA in his bas- in his basketball identity you know but he's a big time like a project if you drafted him you would have to, it'd be the g league it'd be we're gonna work on your shot he is like pronounced drift in his jump shot he makes horrible passes but he's oh, yeah. very fluid for a guy that big yes yeah, 610 he can move and i think you're you called him poor man's poku yes pmp uh, poor man's yeah, poku i i think i'm gonna add that uh comp in the draft guide. That's a good comp because <laughs> okay. I, all I have is Sasha Vizenkov in there right now, who my friend Tom Westerholm, a Celtics writer, said today, like, who? That That's helpful. So we need to change that name to somebody more familiar. That's a, a, a name from like the 13 or 14 draft who never panned out. Poor man's Poku. I like it, Kyle. I, I'm into that. This Pretty is similar. fun. I, I enjoyed doing this. This is a fun little mock draft exercise. Hope everybody enjoyed listening live on Green Room. I'm curious. <laughs> Who's who are your second round sleepers? Let us know if you're listening live on Green Room. Let us know in our Twitter, you know, respond on Twitter. Let us know who your sleepers are, who you want your favorite team to draft in the second round. In Green Room, we're getting some Austin Reeves, Joe Weisskamp, Preston, Bassey, Hauser, Robinson Earl. Can I say JT something on Robinson Earl right names. now? Yes. I, we didn't get to it, but I absolutely think if I'm the Bucks or I'm the Jazz, I'm going to try to get Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think it behooves them to do it. A big guy who's going to be ready to play immediately. He's smart. He can shoot the ball. He can guard three fours, four threes, whatever. That guy should play for a good team next year. I think the Bucks should try to get him or the Jazz. Yeah. The Jazz might be moving number 30. They, they might be moving that pick. If, if, you, if a team wants to take on Derek Favors, they can get the 30th pick. That's what it seems like right now uh, on Wednesday evening before the drafts. Kyle, I'm looking forward to Thursday night, man. Do you think we're going to get a lot of trades? What's your gut telling you? Are we going to get a lot of trades? Eight plus? 
I'm not going to act like I have a spidey sense for this. Um, it seems like we have teams that are anxious to, like we were saying to Bill the other day, that I that like I, it feels like there's some unrest based on like the projected personnel that are going to be there for certain teams. Like they have needs, but they're just not lining up for the types of players that are going to be there. So yeah, I could see that motivating. And then we got all kinds of teams that are looking to make moves. I could, I mean, it could happen. But we also do this thing where we get really excited and then there's nothing, which is the worst. I'm praying for absolute carnage, chaos. How about you? I hope we get trades in the top 10. I hope we get like Toronto moving down, OKC moving up. I hope we get some craziness in the middle of the first round, like the Knicks trading the 19th pick for Terrence Ross, something oh. like that. <laughs> I, I love I love to see some randomness like that. Um, and maybe we will see that in the coming 24 hours. So thank you to everybody listening on green room. Thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely for producing. Uh, we will be talking to you throughout the next couple of weeks on a number of different podcasts. I'll be on Bill Simmons on the Thursday night. Kyle, are you doing anything Thursday night during or after the draft? I'm going to be on the answer with Chris Ryan and big was after the draft. So keep an ear okay. open for that one. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, be back on Green Room soon. I'm sure we'll have some emergency podcasts in the coming weeks with the inevitable trades that are going to happen. Thank you again. Hope you have a fun rest of your day. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.